0: He even burned down his cathedral, hoping that that would distract people. Didn't work at all.
1: Hello and welcome to episode 20 of Grumpy Old Bens. I am Darren O'Neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of Middle America just outside of Chirac where everything is wonderful and why wouldn't it be? Don't look at heyjackass.com to prove me wrong.
0: And from America's left coast where we're putting up a wall and making California pay for it, I'm Ryan Bemrose.
1: Well you should and that's what we're talking about today is immigration and all of its forms and all of its goodness and everything that's good and everything that's bad. But can we all put up a wall that would separate the United States from California? Just make California. I'm telling you, we've talked about this in the past. California should be its own damn country. And then the rest of us could just live in peace without the insanity that that state brings to the rest of us. They're bringing us down, man.
0: Well, it's California is is actually extremely valuable to The United States, because uh, it's it's one place where all of the liberal policies can be tried and fail uh, without actually having to implement them across the entire country. It's one of the most beautiful things that the United States ever did was having 50 separate places where state laws are tried and implemented and used So that when something fails horribly and turns your entire state into a third world country, everybody else can look at that and go, "Ew, we don't want to do that. Let's not implement all of these policies That's the way it's supposed to work.
1: Well, yeah, a lot of people miss out. That's the concept with the states and each state having its own set of laws and not having a concept where every state in the country. Has the exact same laws that are brought to us by our federal gods that decide everything. There's a reason why this system was put into place rather than having one blanket set of rules for everybody. It's because every state has a different demographic. There's a different way of life, much different from San Francisco to, say, the middle of Wyoming somewhere. And it makes sense, but we're living in a time now where everybody wants the federal government for some reason to make all the rules unless you know that's rules they don't like
0: well it's because people today uh don't have the ability to let other people live under different rules anymore uh it, it's fairness it's equality it's it's you know uh we're living underneath an oppressive regime and therefore you must also that's that's modern globalism for you
1: well that makes absolute sense we'd like to say hello to everybody in the no agenda chat room/troll room, slash troll room. Some good comments always coming along in there, which is why it's fun to do these shows live. We know you may not be listening live. You may be listening to the recording, but for us, we'd like to do these shows live. We've been kind of looking at a Friday morning system lately, so always keep an eye out for Twitter or for a no agenda social bat signal, if you will, saying when we're going live. But uh, Sir Fletcher in the chat room says. That we should just trade California back to Spain again. Make California Spain again. Can we try that? Can somebody reach out to Spain, see if they would like to take California off our hands? I'd be fine with that.
0: I'm not sure that anybody in Europe wants that. They're dealing with their own immigration problem right now.
1: Which they are, which is something we want to talk about today, just due to the fact that, I mean, we're we're crazy Americans. When this concept was brought up to do a show on immigration, I said two old white guys, two old privileged white guys talking about immigration, what can possibly go wrong, but here we are. So it's going to be interesting to see where we're at, and I know everybody in the United States has this view that the United States is kind of in a bubble, and you forget the rest of the world exists, and you think that the United States is the only place in the world dealing with immigration issues, but that's not really true, is it? So where do we start this
0: journey? Well, first of all, I want you to know that I did check my privilege before this show, and it was a little low, so I need to top that off. I think that the 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 best place to start is probably going to be a a, a boring and abstract discussion about uh, whether or not immigration is good. Which, of course, like any interesting topic, the answer is maybe and sometimes. Uh, you know, immigration is is one of two ways of increasing your population to account to to counteract the fact that populations are always shrinking because people die. If you want a healthy society, you need to constantly generate new people to replace the ones that go away. And immigration is one of two ways to do that. The other, of course, is making new people. But I don't think we can count on the millennials for that anymore. They're all vowing chastity until the day they die because they're they want to save the earth which is fine because the people who do that are, are going to be obsolete in a generation. So I think well, that's a problem that solves itself and also not all millennials.
1: So not fornicating is saving the planet now.
0: I, it's it's. An, and, and first of all, of course it's wrong of me to stereotype all millennials as being this dumb because the vast majority of them are normal people who just want to get along with their lives and are doing the kind of things that people do, which includes getting together and having sex all the time and making more people. Which is great for from perspective of a society. That's exactly what you need your citizens to do. Uh, Yes, there are people out there who seem to think that there are too many people on the earth. And we, you know, if you're a neocon or if you're one of the elite globalists, then your plan is actually to kill people until you get down to the proper number. Otherwise, there's a lot of people who are actually saying, well, we shouldn't have kids because there's too many people on the planet already which is hilarious. Well, I would agree. I mean, you're selecting against your own beliefs. You're not going to have anybody that you can teach your beliefs to, which is like I said, a a self-correcting problem.
1: So you're saying the overall millennial viewpoint is we shouldn't be fornicating because there's too many people, but everybody that wants to should come to where we're living.
0: No, no. I'm saying that's the minority loud millennial viewpoint that keeps popping up on YouTube because it's interesting and ridiculous. And, interesting and ridiculous is what makes news the overall millennial viewpoint is get that camera out of my face i'm busy having sex well
1: that's good that's that's a positive sign no no doubt about that and when you look at something like immigration of course there's immigration going on in europe and that's a really interesting thing to take a look at especially because europe's been around for such a damn long time when you look at the united states let's go back 350 years and look at the united states where the united states is now and look at europe there's a lot more people in europe
0: right yes there's Uh, 350 years ago uh there was uh it was almost entirely immigrants on the east coast and there was almost nobody except for a few scattered natives everywhere else and then two or three centuries worth of immigration uh, still hasn't quite filled up the whole continent but immigration is what made north america what it is today
1: yeah so you look at immigration and there's really two different things we want to talk about because immigration overall in most ways is a really good thing because you get you know you get to go to places in the case of the united states there was a lot of land that wasn't being used except you know those those pesky native americans the indians that were here they would have probably be voting against the immigration system that happened when everybody came over started from England, and you, we all know what happened. But there's a big difference between the hubbub today isn't really about immigration, it's more about illegal immigration. And that's the hot button issue. But it's something that gets so convoluted so fast that if you're against illegal immigration, in this great social justice warrior era well all of a sudden now it's just said that you're against immigration just like if you're a nationalist you like your country and we've talked about this before everybody goes out and they like to v- root for their team when it plays in the world cup and all that and you want to say hey i'm proud to be an american i'm proud to be an, you know from ireland i'm proud to be from whatever country it is that's technically nationalism but now that has gotten screwed so bad into, well, if you're, you're a nationalist, now that's a bad thing. Now that's like you're a Nazi. And we go back to the episode we did with Larry on words, meaning things, but really in the immigration topic, it's something that needs to be kind of hit on in the fact that there's a really big difference between immigration and illegal immigration and it's the same across every country on the face of the earth as far as i know
0: if it's all right with you i'd actually like to start in europe where most of the immigration is is legal and and a lot of it is legal in immigration in the form of refugees and they are having uh certainly having some serious demographic problems that are popping up uh precisely because of all of this immigration which in the EU is not illegal and is perfectly acceptable to the leadership and not acceptable to the boots on the ground to the people in the cities. Immigration is basically taking people out of their culture and injecting them into your culture. And in the image of the the great American melting pot uh, image of immigration, you know, the 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 beneficial form of immigration that everybody always romanticized was you have a constant small trickle of people who come to your shores and decide that they want to be part of your culture. And, and that's really the key to making immigration smooth into a, a, a culture is when the people come in and each one of them will arrive, you know, in, in, you know, I'm thinking immigration in the 1800s into the U S would arrive on Ellis Island. I actually have ancestors that did this. Uh, they would come in, they would, uh, you know, have somebody check their papers and say, okay, well, what's your name? And uh, I, I actually had uh, one ancestor who came from Norway. His name was inner and he decided that he wanted to Americanize his name as a lot of people do because he wanted to acclimate to the culture in America. So he changed his name to Enoch. Okay. That comment completely floored you. I realized anyways, (laughs) hello, Enoch. The, the idea I, I'm I'm not convinced that he's successfully Americanized enough, but the idea behind that is that you come in and you are one family and they drop you in the largest city in the country and say, here you go you know go be part of the culture and if if you're one family in new york city you're going to you're not going to be able to keep up your existing culture you're going to have to come in and get used to the way things are done here and that's the way that the, i mean immigration goes smoothly for the host culture when somebody comes in and adopts the, the new culture, they try to acclimate, they learn the language, right. they decide to become one of the, the people. And it's always difficult for first generation. But the theory is that if immigration is slow enough, then the second generation will have grown up here. And the second generation are now native born. They might have a little bit of an accent taught by their parents, but for the most part, they understand the culture. They're part of the culture. And by the third generation, you've got Just more Americans with maybe different skin color or something, which I mean, if if you're not a a left wing new racist, then different skin color doesn't matter too much. (laughs) They're they're still people. Right. The problem occurs and the the real all, all of the complaints about immigration. And this is something Europe is going through a lot right now is that you you come into a culture. And if you come in with enough people, you all settle into one small block of people, and you don't have to learn the language because the only people that you interact with are people from your own culture who moved in. And you create this little demographic knot that refuses to understand or integrate into the culture of an area. And now you have two different cultures sharing the same geographical space and trying to share the same governmental services. And then trying to fight over who gets to elect their representatives. And if the immigration is fast enough, you end up with severe cultural strife because people are coming into an area and creating a distinct culture.
1: Well, I mean, the problem, I think, comes in when groups don't want to acclimate. As you said, the American dream of having immigrants come in is that they want to come to the United States and be a part of the United States, and I'm assuming this is the way it is all around Europe as well. I haven't lived in Europe, but I'm assuming it's the same thing. If you're living in London, you probably say, yeah, let other people move here. That's fine. But they should embrace our culture rather than trying to override it. Because there's a even a really big difference between, we know in big cities like Chicago, there's a Chinatown, there's the Italian parts of town, there's the Mexican parts of town, and there's The demographics are the people that are of similar backgrounds want to be around other people of similar backgrounds, which is where sometimes it's like you're going to call people racist and stuff. But no, that's just where the comfort level is.
0: And it's just it's just human nature to want to be around people you can relate to. It's it's hard to fault the individuals for that. But the problem is that that lack of mixing is what creates racial strife or Or just cultural strife. It doesn't have to be race.
1: Right. And what it really is, it's a cultural thing more than anything else. And I think you're seeing this happening in Europe on a major scale right now. And if you look at the city of London, where it was 20, 30, 40 years ago and where it is today, it is a completely different city. And the questions you start asking yourself then are, who has the rights to decide what kind of a city they want to live in because let's just say there was no immigrants or very few 50 years ago in london well now you have your nice english people doing their thing now you have this mass immigration comes in and there's a lot of muslims say that come in because this is where the cultural differences are usually if you're bringing people in that are of a similar or same religion that's a big thing that's a Religion seems to be one of the biggest dividing points between cultures.
0: Religion is absolutely an amplifier for cultural differences. You're you're right about that.
1: So now if you bring in and you maybe never had a mosque in London X amount of years ago, and now all of a sudden the people that have been living there for generations are feel like they're getting overrun. And it's not because people that are, you know, different than them came in, but it's people with inherently different values. And we've seen videos, at least I have, I don't know, I guess I'm not making assumptions for you, but I remember seeing videos a couple of years ago, there were guys walking around downtown London in these Muslim parts of town. Cause again, just like we have, you know, the Chinatown here, this was the Muslim part where the, you know, the majority of the Muslims, I guess, are in, in the London area. And they were going around and hassling the females that weren't wearing the burkas, and they were, you know, they were basically walking around saying like, we're the Sharia police. Well, this is a really big problem when you have somebody that has completely different values, wants completely different laws and wants to live in a completely different way than the host country. This is where immigration starts having major problems because you can't have people come into an area and then be like, well, I don't want to live that. That's not my law. This is how I live. I'm going to do my thing, and fuck you. I'm going to do whatever I want. That's where you start having the major problems, and you have the major breakdown. Again, the reason you have different laws in every state of the United States is because people live in slightly different ways. In each state that you go to, countries the same way, even maybe more so. So when you bring people in that have a completely different way of life that don't want to acclimate to the way things are currently, Then it's, it goes from immigration to an invasion. Doesn't
0: it? You just made me think of, of something interesting that, uh, I'm sorry, I wouldn't want to do that. Well, it happens. I, my mind goes places that nobody wants them to go. Not even me. One of the biggest problems with immigration or with, with culture clash in particular that you just described, and you brought up Sharia law, which is a a fine example. It's a really, you know, it's one of the scariest things that, that you could inflict on a, a Christian, for example is trying to subject them to that that if you lived in a theoretical libertarian paradise where everybody was responsible for themselves and that was it then it wouldn't particularly matter that somebody else was out on the street believing that all women should be subjugated or whatever it is that they believe because it wouldn't affect you but The problem occurs when you decide to have some kind of authoritarian regime where you enforce equality on everybody, and then you get into petty fights about what that equality should be, because if you believe that all women must be wearing headscarves, then if you are in a place where it is necessary for everybody to be equal, that includes all women who don't believe that they should have to wear headscarves, you need to force that on them anyway. But if we lived in a place where people had individual freedoms, boy, I'd really love to know where that is, then it wouldn't matter if you think I should wear a headscarf because I don't think I have to. And therefore, you can't make me. And I think that I'm I'm starting to actually get into uh, one of the biggest uh, problems with having immigration too fast is is when you get, you know, not just cultural blocks, but voting blocks Uh, when when a group will come into a new area. And if immigration happens so fast and the first generation of people arrives quickly enough, they don't acclimate to the culture. They don't acknowledge the people who were there before. And they get enough people to start enforcing their culture on the people who were already there. Exactly. And yeah, that happened, uh, is happening and has happened uh, in, in my state right now. Uh, we are, when, when I was young, It was uh, a fairly middle of the road state where the Western half was democratically controlled and and the Eastern half was Republican controlled and the Western half was mostly big cities and the Eastern half is is mostly rural. And and there was a balance, which means that uh, anything that got done had to be uh, consensus. You had to have the agreement of both parties of both urban and rural type of people or you don't get anything done. So. You ended up with the only laws were the kind of things that everyone could live with. And somewhere in the last 25 years, we have had so much immigration from places like California, from places that are Democrat strongholds, from places that are urban shitholes like San Francisco, people trying to escape that now the urban left side of the state has completely overrun. Everything in the state. And therefore, if you are on a rural farm in eastern Washington, then your rights are going to be completely trampled by the majority of people who all live in Seattle, who all think only about urban problems, who all uh, need to virtue signal their social programs. And you get things like, uh, you know, what what triggered me right before the show was reading about how my city which is not Seattle, I moved the fuck away from Seattle because I wanted to get away from this insanity. My city has just banned plastic bags. And I was having a discussion with my wife about how can we, what what are the changes that are going to have to happen when we go grocery shopping? Because there, you know, you get 10 bags worth of groceries and now We're just going to have to what carry them in our arms?
1: Are they back to paper bags again? We talked about this in one of maybe one of these other shows where we live in an area that in a time that I remember growing up, the bags at the grocery store were paper, and then to save the planet, they went to plastic, and now I guess, like you said, we just carry them in our arms, or you have to have reusable bags. Like you know, nothing will go wrong with with that.
0: I no, there's there's no way this can fail. You see, they they have actually uh, offered a. A backup they they offer paper bags but this is the greatest part of the new ordinance is stores are allowed to offer paper bags not plastic but paper however stores are required to charge a minimum of 10 cents each for the paper bags the the stores can't even they can't even you know uh, uh, screw you and and your voluntary capitalist transaction Uh, You know, screw you being able to try to trade on terms. Screw you trying to bring in customers by having good customer service. You are not allowed to give away a paper bag. You have to sell it for a minimum of 10 cents. (laughs) That is that is a government overreach. But that's okay because we're saving the planet somehow keeping all of these plastic bags out of the hands of those dirty consumers is going to somehow keep the fishing nets out of the Pacific or something. I'm, I'm not really sure. Well, this is the
1: insanity of mob rule, the insanity of the dem- type of democracies where everybody gets one vote and we're just going to let the majority do what they want. Again, think about you're living in an area that is 100% Christian, say, let's just make it nice and easy, and everything's good. You've lived your whole life. You've lived decades, and 10 years later down the road, all of a sudden, your area is 55% Muslim, and the laws are all now that you know you have to wear a headscarf, and you have to follow these laws when you're out in public, and all of this other things. So, I know this is an extreme example, but this is
0: the fear. It's not that extreme in some places. Well, that's true,
1: and that's the sad part about it, and that's one of the things you know people don't understand, but what you get in this new world that we live in, if you bring up the logic of that and say, well... You're infringing now upon the way of life of the people that have been living here for years in this area. And now if you bring that up, it's racist because you just bringing up logic like John Cleese was the first person in the public eye that really said something about this whole kind of concept because he moved out of London and was talking about how much it's changed and it's not the London London that he grew up in. And he got a ton of crap for that.
0: I've got to stop you briefly. We we have the answer that we have to answer every single show. JC Jr. is asking if it's really live. No, we are not really
1: live. We are always on tape. Just always on tape. Yes.
0: With this this was pre-recorded. We're just playing it back right now. Anyways, go on. John Cleese.
1: Well, right. He was absolutely saying that the London has totally changed, but he was the first one because the people were yelling racist at him. And he was the first guy that I remember that really just came back with this isn't about race. This is about culture. And to me, that was a mega point. I'm sure it was lost on many people out in the Twitter ether that were watching this, but he was absolutely right. The cultural implications are where the problems come with immigration because I don't care where somebody's coming from, I don't care what the color of their skin is. If they want to come into my neighborhood and acclimate, and do things the way that it's done here and i'm not saying anything weird we're not running a cult or anything although we may at some point or have a compound uh, with, uh,
0: if you if you do can i uh, let me know where the sign up sheet is sure we'll do we'll put
1: it up on the no agenda social uh, website excellent but that the difference is with the cultures is when somebody comes into an area and doesn't want to acclimate to me i understand a little bit of both sides because i understand you're coming from somewhere else You enjoy your culture, you're proud of your culture as well you should be, but you are coming into another country where you are now bound by their laws. And the the problem, again, comes into some of these countries are fairly small. The United States has a lot of really built-in checks and balances in this because there are just so many people, but a country like the UK, I think, could be easily overrun with people that will totally change everything about the country and it will never get back, which I'm assuming this is a big part and you can correct me if I'm wrong. Cause I haven't watched this closely enough, but I'm assuming the immigration issue is a big reason. This whole Brexit thing is happening. Is it not?
0: It is. In fact, one of the big reasons is that and actual immigration is, it's kind of funny because of all of the terrible effects that being in the European union have inflicted on countries uh, primarily the complete loss of their sovereignty the one that every that really really gets people going it's one of the grievances of the the yellow vests in france who've now been protesting for what four months straight it's one of the reasons for brexit it's one of the complaints that you know mark Void zero will talk about on his show uh, occasionally it is immigration is the thing that you can see because most people aren't paying attention to Washington, D.C. They're not paying attention to Brussels. Most people are not paying attention to the day-to-day soap opera that is politics wherever they are. However, people are seeing things on the street. They are seeing their neighbors and they are seeing their local city council passing new rules based on a foreign culture that was never here before new rules like you need to ban all plastic bags which was never something that was part of my culture you know 40 years ago and that finally gets people to mobilize and for that at least i appreciate the immigration issue because the only way that you end up making a pendulum of a government swing back is is for people on the street to finally start noticing. And go, Hey, wait a minute. What the, f- what has been going on out there?
1: And then you have to kind of look at all well, the way things are going in a country where, what is the history and where this immigration is taking it with the influx of people coming in. And there's absolutely nothing racist about not wanting your country to change in a way that you don't like. And it's not just who's living next door to you. Like you said, It's maybe plastic is outlawed. It may be the, you know, certain things like you have to wear a headscarf outside or all of these types of things that it's just like when you're traveling, this is to a much lesser
0: extent, things that wouldn't be an issue if we didn't also have the simultaneous trend of governments trying to become more and more involved in the day to day life of people.
1: Well, that and the one world government concept, which is one of the reasons I I still go down the the rabbit hole of why these globalists hate Trump, because he's one of the few people that have started standing up going, No, there's nothing wrong with our country having its own way of life. The way we do things, we don't need to meld into a global government that does crazy shit like believes that the world's going to end in 10 years, even though the data says it's really not. I mean, if you want to believe the big lie, that's great. Otherwise, do your own homework. But being able to stand up and say no, we're going to do something a different way is the reason why you don't want to be a part of a global government. But there's if you really, if you don't believe there's a push for a global government, look at the EU and that that isn't enough.
0: They want more. Well the 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 biggest argument against having a global government is exactly the same one that I made at the beginning of this show which is the argument in favor of having 50 separate state governments. And that is that from a purely scientific perspective, if you have one sample and you don't know if bombarding it with radiation, a or B is going to be the thing that goes, you don't hit the entire sample with one type because that might destroy the sample. And now you can't do anything with it. That's in science. You always have a control and you always try out multiple variables and if you have one set of laws that you force on everybody everywhere you don't have a control and therefore you lose the ability to determine whether or not your laws worked if you have 50 states and say illinois decides to implement some gun control policy they have and the result is that and the result is that your city becomes a complete shithole where everybody's shooting each other constantly, then the other States can look at this and go, huh, maybe that gun control policy doesn't work. Yeah. Okay. I, I and enough joking. It's supposed to work that way. You know
1: what the latest thing in Illinois is they are all in on casinos. That was because they're so far in debt that governor Pritzker just decided that they're pushing for, a new casino in the Chicago area, they're looking at possibly putting a new casino like five minutes down the road from us. This is this is going to be the answer, but what they don't understand is the reality of casinos are they're bad for people that are in debt, which is a vast majority of people in the state of Illinois. And if you're in debt and you can't make your pay data, you know, week to week paycheck, Then we go to we go gamble.
0: Casinos are a resort that exists for the purpose of preying on people who are bad at statistics.
1: Yeah. And, you know, it's fun and it's fine if you like doing something like that every now and then. And I have gone to Vegas a few times, but I've never been to a casino here in the Chicago area. And there are a few
0: spending time in a casino. Just just a quick pro tip. Spending time in a casino. Because you enjoy the atmosphere and you enjoy the activity and you actually, and and you like pulling on the handle or rolling the dice or whatever, you like doing the thing and you go in knowing that you are spending money for the experience. That is a valid way to participate in a casino. If you go into a casino thinking you're going to make money, you're not. Get the fuck out.
1: And Progo said the same thing with the lottery tickets, the scratchers, and he's absolutely right about that. Also, something that preys upon the poor that think, you know, maybe I'll hit it big. So, I mean, I don't have money for groceries for my kids, but maybe if I buy 20 bucks worth of lottery tickets, I'll hit it big. And the chances of that, of course, not very good. But that's getting just just slightly off the immigration tail. But it is. It's again, it's talking about cultures and it's talking about the way things change. And we know. Like you said, the state-to-state laws, there's a reason for them. A lot of people have moved from Illinois to Indiana. I mean, I could be in Indiana in like 20 minutes. I'm right on the border. Taxes would be less, would be a simple thing to do, and a lot of people have done it. You look at things like what New York did recently, and I think this was kind of backtracked a little bit, but you, New York was trying to ban the sale of sugary drinks, which we in America call soda or pop, whichever, you know, wherever you're from, you may call it a different thing, but they were trying to ban the large glasses of these. You maybe couldn't sell anything over 12 or 16 ounces, and then the taxes on them were way up. And this is where you can start looking at the reality of how things might happen. It,
0: if It's always good to know that Daddy Bloomberg is looking out for you. I can't make my own decisions. I need somebody to do it for millions of people who's never heard of me and doesn't actually give a shit. If I live or die, that's how, who I want making my decisions.
1: That makes it much better. And you, and you, the Washington, you folks seem to love your coffee. So let me just pose a a possibility to you, which is you get a group of people that move in that immigrate into the Washington area where their religion forbids caffeine and they decide to vote make caffeine illegal i think those people are called mormons well then what happens in washington when they've been overrun by mormons who have now voted to make caffeine illegal what happens
0: actually the the analogy isn't very good because i didn't say it was good uh, mormons are i i know quite a few mormons and they as a rule are some of the more libertarian people that i've ever seen and you know even in utah they all wear. uh 80 something percent of the people believe that you're not supposed to have caffeine or alcohol. They still, for the 20% who aren't Mormon, they still have caffeine and alcohol and they're perfectly fine with it. And they have bars and they have strip joints. And and it's actually a pretty awesome salt Lake city is a pretty great place to, uh, to go get drunk because you're with a whole bunch of people who go into the bar and just unwind. But anyways, I digress. Uh, it, so there's yeah, an
1: offshoot it, of Mormons who are crazy and really they take over Washington and, and caffeine has to be banned. What do the people of Washington do? if Let's just pretend for a minute that Washington was mob rule and that every vote counts and that m- the majority wins. And if the majority of people in your state say caffeine's illegal, now what happens if caffeine's made illegal?
0: Well, I, I mean, the, the theoretical way you're supposed to do that is that you... Uh, You vote for people who will represent your interests, but in your in your theoretical scenario, that doesn't happen. And uh, I mean, you basically have two options. You either get the fuck out or you don the yellow vests.
1: Yeah. Revolution. Right.
0: Well, I mean, or at the very least, you protest. You know, everybody knows how well protests are working, you know, four months and counting. And Macron is it doesn't really give a fuck. He even burned down his cathedral, hoping that that would distract people didn't work at all.
1: And then this caffeine fueled example, that would be some really pissed off protesters. One, all coming off caffeine at the same time. That would be. Oh, yeah. Actually, that might be something I want to see. But it it becomes just a it's a very clear case of insanity to where the people. Yeah, you could move out. But is that going to happen? No. So what are people going to do in Washington? Well, they're going to get their caffeine. They're going to get it illegally. Just like in Chicago, we have the gun laws really, really harsh. You can't have guns in Chicago. People still get shot a lot.
0: Well, I I assume they got shot with uh, things that were legal, like rubber band guns, uh, finger guns, cap pop guns. You know, I don't know. Maybe they're throwing hypodermic needles at each other, and that's how you're getting shot. I I, I just assumed since all guns are banned.
1: Yeah, somehow they get them. So, you know, and again, this comes down to laws and the insanity of it. And having people that all want to do the same thing or not the same thing, it becomes a very interesting concept to me. And there's nothing, if you have a bunch of people, if you have some of these crazy like uh, ultra-super Mormons and we're being mean to Mormons because we should just make up something and just call them like the Morlocks or something that come in and they don't (laughs) want the caffeine. Now, you're not racist against those people because you're pissed that they took your caffeine. There's nothing racist about it. This, again, is a cultural thing that you're pissed off about. And I'll just say the Morlocks are you know orange and it'll be like, orange people, bad. Oh, wait, we hear that a lot. Um, But the concept is you're not pissed off about who they are. You're pissed off about what they're doing. And that is a big problem with people talking about immigration today is that everybody wants to make this a really easy thing to go. Well, if you don't like it, you're racist. And they're not really wanting to look at the reality of the situation, and they don't want to look at any of the details surrounding the situation and that is absolutely nuts
0: well as as discussed in our show with Larry on language uh, racist is is a meaningless word it is uh, an information free uh, uh insult it, uh, just you say racist, it means I don't like you. It doesn't actually have any denotation anymore. So you know, saying something is racist just means I don't like it.
1: And it doesn't. You're not supposed to. That's not supposed to be the thing you just go to and call people. In. And that's where the immigration debate really gets lost in the fact that people just don't even look at the reality of what's going on. They don't look at any statistics. They don't look at you. can. I mean, it's interesting to me that you can bring up. Things like well, Obama was doing the same thing under his administration, and there were people being kept in cages. Well, no, that's that's insanity. And then you bring up things like there are bad people kidnapping children because you know if it's easier, if the concept is it's easier to get over the border and it's easier to get into the United States if you have children with you, then it becomes a good idea to maybe go kidnap some children, bring them with you carry them over the border and the amount of people was kind of staggering when they really found out how many people didn't belong how many of those kids actually didn't belong with the adults that were bringing them in and there's a reason when you know you say well, well you can't separate the the kids from their parents well half the time it wasn't actually their parents and these this is something that is very Hard to figure out when people will go to such lengths to try to come in and cross a border because the technology is not really there that can genetically match those children with the adults that they're with. There's nothing that's easily to easy that can easily do this at the border, and that also leads to other things. So there's a, there's a whole laundry list of really interesting topics. That should be talked about when it comes to immigration, but we're not talking about any of those things because it's all been boiled down to racist, racist, racist.
0: And, and despite the, the, the whiny cries from leftists, there's definitely a, a school of belief that says these people have broken the law and therefore they need to face consequences for that. The people who believe that are dirty racists, I'm told, uh, also known as people who believe in the rule of law. So, yeah, you can scream until you're blue in the face. Oh, Trump is separating families from the well. OK, no, wh- what they're doing is they're enforcing the laws on the books.
1: OK, so we need to talk about the concept of open borders, which is something that Democrats around the United States seem to want. A lot of people are like, Hey, what do we even need? People, what do we need a wall for? What do we need people at the border? Why do we need to keep every anybody or everybody out? The concept of open borders is something—it's weird because in my lifetime, this is really the first time this is kind of being pushed for. Uh, but that concept is rife with problems, isn't it?
0: Well, to to a certain extent, uh, both the Democrats and the Republicans kind of favor you know letting people into the country. Uh, the the real- well, because
1: if you say anybody can't come in, now you're a racist.
0: Well, there's there's, Yes, that that is true. And the the political will is strong to allow anybody to do anything as long as it's politically correct. But it it makes sense because of what we discussed at the beginning of the show, where uh, immigration is is necessary. If your population is aging out faster than they're being born, you have to keep your population up uh, to keep your society healthy. And the way to do that is immigration. So it makes sense to allow immigration to a certain extent, but there's a big difference between setting immigration quotas like the U.S. does, whether or not one of the major political parties in the U.S. would like us to ignore those quotas and invite everybody in illegally, different topic. But the U.S. does set quotas and does actually... Uh, make an attempt to limit immigration to uh, a reasonable amount, which is also necessary for a healthy society. Uh, a difference between that and say the EU, which has uh, pretty much open borders, the the refugee crisis where they are saying uh, you, you have decided you don't like your current government. Great. Come on in and we'll just find a place to put you in some village that has, you know, it's 140 people, and here have another 141 refugees. the The policy of inviting everybody in can be workable, but here's where it's not workable. And what bothers me is where it's not workable is when you have, uh, put one way, a strong social safety net. Uh, put another way, generous social handouts, and that, and the let everybody in all the time. Cannot work together, and the reason is, uh, it, first of all, your your social handouts will, of course, invite in people. Uh, it will invite in, for lack of a better term, low quality immigrants, uh, people who come in and say, "I don't have anything at all to offer society." But hey, they're giving out free stuff over here. So let's go over here. You can see that in immigration. Uh, You can see that uh, with uh, sanctuary cities. You can see that with cities like Seattle uh, and San Francisco, who are inviting in homeless, where the city council is directing the cops not to enforce the laws against anybody who looks like they're homeless. And word has got out all over the country that, hey, Go to Seattle because they give out free food and they don't even kick you off the sidewalk. Congratulations. You have now invited in waves and waves of people who don't contribute to society. And again, speaking from the perspective of somebody who is wants societies to be healthy, that's not good. You can't do that. You can't just invite in all of the people who are going to be a drain on your resources and do nothing
1: well this is why we have politicians that want to give everything away free they think what was we talked about in the market well not the marketing episode in the attention economy episode free free free
0: the only possible explanation i can come up with other than they're hopelessly corrupt and want the system to collapse around them is that they really aren't thinking about where the resources come from well and well the politicians
1: don't care because they're on their own system just like with the. When you, when you talk about health insurance, the politicians, they don't have the same health insurance. You lowly plebeians are going to have, they're, they're above the fray, but like, you're absolutely right. The concept of you have a country and you have a certain amount of infrastructure that has to be paid for, which is why taxes are collected. Things like maybe keeping the roads in one piece, not having bridges collapse, having some kind of a emergency healthcare system there. You have police to take care of the bad guys. You have firemen to take care of when fires come out and all the other to to burn books, all of these types of things. The problem is all of that costs money. And when you bring people into that society who are not paying into it, but you give them the benefits of the society, that's also where you start having a problem. And that's where people rightfully so are angry with immigration because it comes down to the fact of well, I'm paying for my fair share. Shouldn't they pay for theirs? And that is a completely logical feeling to have, which I also believe is one of the reasons why we're being sold the concept now that everybody should have everything free. So now you don't look at those immigrants and go, well, they're getting something and I'm, I'm paying for it if everybody's getting it free then it's a great utopia unless you look at how life actually happens when you try this in places like Cuba and Venezuela and elsewhere around the world where more people starve, more people die and there are people riding in the streets to get that last roll of toilet paper but this is where the big lie comes in that it doesn't hurt anybody to have massive amounts of people come into your country and not pay into the system. Again, this is would be a part of acclimating into the society, which is you come in and you want to be a productive member of the society. You don't want to go under the radar and work for cash and send your money back home.
0: At the very least, becoming a productive member of the society involves paying taxes, right? Or contributing to the economy, working a job, producing useful services in exchange for uh, For money? Makes sense.
1: I mean, that's exactly the concept of the open borders.
0: Can that
1: even work in the United States?
0: Well, the open borders, as, as I just described, doesn't even work if you have extensive social handout programs. It can't work because you are inviting in low quality immigrants who are going to drain your resources without contributing back to society because. You know, the the country they came from might not have as good social services. They're going to want to go to where people are giving out free stuff. And congratulations, that free stuff is coming out of your taxes.
1: And they may not even want to move here. So let's just say, I mean, I have no idea what the healthcare situation is in Ecuador. But say somebody in Ecuador has cancer and their system totally
0: sucks. It, it's probably cheaper than the healthcare in the United States, but go on. <laughs> is it better
1: or worse? I don't know. But you have say a country. Well, let's let's not pick on Ecuador country X where you would it would break you financially to have the surgery you need, whatever it is. But, you know, if you can get into the United States and walk into a hospital. They're going to take care of it because that's the everybody gets free medical care, no matter who you are, whether you're a citizen, whether you're not. Just walk in, you get it, you got to get it, it's what you're going to get. Well, that is going to break and overload the system so quickly because it's a hell of a lot cheaper just to get here where the free stuff is, get your surgery, then get the hell back out to your country, go, thanks. And you've absolutely right. You've given absolutely nothing in order to get that you're just taking a handout that somebody else has to pay for and that's the other big problem with socialism and that's another podcast in itself but the concept that everything could be free is a joke because somebody has to pay for it and that's always on the backs of the citizens of the country that is giving said free things away
0: and what you just you you just hit on is is the other A much less visible, but I think far more damaging problem to a society about having open immigration with a strong social handout program, and that is uh, somebody has to pay for it. And uh, in addition to motivating people who are not going to contribute to your society to come in in droves, uh, the strong handout system necessarily requires high taxes. It requires limiting freedoms uh, and the other, the other motivation that is harder to see because there's fewer of these people is people who do contribute to your society, the high value people, the, the scientists, the, the producers, the people who generate most of economic growth and activity and therefore are the ones who are hit hardest by the excessive taxes that your society has to charge, those people are being motivated to move out, and that is far more damaging to a society, because if you have handouts for anybody who possibly wants them, socialism, and you invite unlimited people to move across your border, then... You're going to be flooded with people who don't contribute and you're going to drive away the people who do contribute and it will take only a couple generations of people expecting to get handouts of free stuff from people who are no longer there. And suddenly you can't feed your people and you get California. I mean, uh, you get <laughs> communist Soviet Russia, maybe. I- no. Well, California is kind of the
1: same. It's, it's not that different than the communist countries. There's very little question about that. I was talking to a doctor the other day and he said he knew personally, uh, he was telling me a story, either four or five people that had died due to living in a country with socialized medicine he said his grandmother this was in yugoslavia called for an ambulance and she was 80 years old i believe called for an ambulance for whatever reason shortness of breath i think it was and they told her they laughed and said you're just an old woman and they refused to come get her because this is what socialized medicine becomes he even talked about a guy he knew that had a uh, brain tumor lived in Canada. I know a lot of people in Canada love to talk about that the healthcare is all free and it's fine if you just got a little problem. But this guy had a brain tumor. It took from the time that they figured out he had one and said you need to get an MRI, he couldn't get an MRI for 3 months and ended up dying because, you know, sometimes you don't have 3
0: months to wait. The dirty secret about the collectivist philosophy is that as as a direct result of putting demographic groups as the primary thing that you focus on. And as the primary actors in your entire society, what it means is that individuals are not important. If you, you know, an old woman dying doesn't particularly change or affect the demographic of old woman of old women there. I mean, you know, Hey, they're always dying. Who cares? It's just another one. And it leads to an incredible dehumanization of any individual person. If you believe that the only thing that matters is the good of the group, then you can overlook or ignore an incredible amount of individual injustice because it doesn't directly affect the group as you've defined it. And so it's perfectly okay. And I think that is the real crime of any kind of collectivist ideology is the idea that the individual is unimportant and therefore you can overlook any individual injustices as long as your group is okay.
1: And well, it's, it's looking at a big picture, but never looking at the small picture. It's never looking at the individual because as you said, the individual becomes unimportant and that's kind of the way I look at the Democrats, the left in the United States at this point when it comes to the immigration issue is I don't think they give a crap about the people. I think they just want votes. And
0: it's just, it's sad, but don't don't kid yourself. All politicians don't particularly care about people. They just want votes.
1: Yeah, I guess that's because that's how they stay in power. But when we're talking about immigration, it really is kind of a uh, you know down and dirty thing when it's like, well, yeah, we'd like you to come here. So you can live in squalor cuz we don't really care if you're sleeping on the street but please vote for us when you go to the ballot box cuz we're we're doing so much for you.
0: So let's go ahead and address the the elephant sitting on the border wall and talk about the distinction between legal and illegal immigration because that's that's really the thing that's in the news for everyone at least in the U S
1: well, it is. And the, the, the thing that drives me the most nuts about that argument is the morons that their only argument is no people are illegal. Well, you know what? Bullshit. There are people that do things that are against the law. And if we're talking just about words again, because words are an important thing, but I don't know what else you call somebody that is in the country illegally. Then, you know, an illegal immigrant. I
0: I find it hilarious that people whose ideology is all about categorizing someone and deciding that what they are is more important than who they are suddenly deciding, no, it's a person when it's, when it's politically convenient to their narrative.
1: Right now, if somebody were to say, climb in the window of their house while they're sleeping and start rummaging through their stuff and beating their kids or raping their daughters, well, you know, they're just, they're not illegal. They're just in there. Come on, they're just they're, people. Can't be illegal
0: and pe- people. Uh, I mean, well, I I hope we never get to a point in our society where people can actually be illegal. That could be a real problem.
1: Progo in the then the chat room just suggested instead of calling them illegal immigrants, we just call them criminals. Maybe that's better.
0: That that is in fact what they are. Uh, yeah, we we are not yet at the point where we decide that your very existence is is against the law and therefore you need to be snuffed out. That's that's what I imagine an actual illegal person would be. Right. We're not at the point yet. Thank God in our culture where we consider people to be illegal. But you know what? We as a nation and society of laws, we do have this concept that people can do illegal things and people can be places illegally. And people can commit illegal acts. And you know what? That is what is happening.
1: Yes. We were not caring about what the label is, but that is what they focus on rather than the act itself, which is just pure insanity. The guy that really went off on AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, when being questioned about I I hate that name. (laughs) I know It, it triggers you just hearing the name and I, I don't know why. Well, I do kind of cuz of everything she stands for.
0: Because but- what she stands for is complete fucking lunacy and the media will not shut up about her and she gets way way more attention than anyone else in her position for regardless of what stupidity she spouts and people who keep constantly bringing up her name don't seem to acknowledge that the only reason why she's still in the news cycle twenty four seven is because of the people behind her pulling the strings and pushing a narrative and propagandizing you.
1: And she may not win re-election, which would be great because she's gonna, she has a Republican running against her that is a female from Jamaica, an immigrant. So every bit that they've used against every other enemy that they've had.
0: Oh, she she hits all the intersectionalism except the being Republican. Yeah. I mean, so it'll be an interesting kind of a thing.
1: Maybe she's even gay. I don't know. It would be an interesting thing to watch that battle because it's really hard to yell racist at a black Jamaican woman than, you know, an old white guy like us. But when AOC was taken to task by the guy when she was, you know, these these hearings they were having about families being separated at the border because you know oh you know what did they do and he just like starts reading you know the the law about that you know they came into the country illegally and he's like you know I was a cop in New York City if a guy was driving drunk down the street and we arrested him he was separated from his family you know i mean it doesn't matter what your crime is if you killed somebody you're going to be separated from your family if you commit a crime and you have to be incarcerated from whether it's for 5 hours 50 years you're going to be separated from your family that's just the way it is when you break the law
0: here's a hypothetical question to the people arguing to the straw man that you're arguing against and that is would it be better if if every time somebody commits a crime that you go and get their whole family and throw them in prison with you because we could go back to a feudalistic society. If you'd like keep them all together. That's a good idea. It means we're not separating the families. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. You, you can all go to Walla Walla together. That would be, that would obviously
1: be a much more humane thing to do. And the thing that I can't, well, I can understand it. I can understand it because it's all about pushing a narrative and that's not what the media wants to do. And what we have in this world right now, is a media that only wants to push a liberal agenda because otherwise they would be talking to people that came to the United States as legal immigrants that follow the laws that follow the system that took the time that did everything the way it was supposed to, the way the laws were written, didn't break any laws and became citizens. Cause there are a lot of them that are against illegal immigration and i want to see them be called racist i want to see the mexicans that came to this country legally who are pissed off about illegal immigration
0: put yourself in the shoes of somebody who jumped through and just in case you're thinking that i'm defending the immigration system in this country it's horribly broken it's terribly bureaucratic and it keeps tens of thousands of people employed who really need to just not be so Bureaucrats, but put yourself in the shoes of somebody who went through all of those hoops, who stood on the yellow line and touched the tip of their nose, who you know performed all of the circus acts that were required, who paid the ridiculous amount of money necessary to get into the country legally. And that person is like, Yes, I finally made it. I'm an American. First of all, all of those steps do have the effect of making you actually mean that you really want to be in the country. And that makes you more likely to try to ingrain yourself into the culture. But if you're that person who is making an effort to become part of the culture, who is making an effort to be in your new home, who has gone through all of the stupid steps and bureaucracy and fees to now be told, yeah, uh, you know, all these other people, yeah, we're just inviting them in. And not only that, but we're letting them vote right. and we're giving them free housing and we're we're giving them free stuff. And, oh, by the way, we're going to tax you to do it. Oh, is that bad?
1: And then you have to talk to all the people that were already living here that weren't getting any of the free stuff and having problems with being down on their luck, not having enough money. And, and that just doesn't seem to go. But it, again, we are a nation of laws at the very heart of everything. We're a nation of laws and those laws need to be followed and you can't just make them go away. I mean, there's a lot of things that have been bastardized that we're seeing a lot of that now with the gun control issue. But even I was surprised when the talk of anchor babies came up, when this whole dreamers thing came up and what a name for people that came to this country that are breaking the law that are here illegally. They're just dreamers because, you know, it really sounds very Disney esque, doesn't it?
0: It does. and And that name is ridiculous, but, uh, the phrase "anchor baby" is what I thought you were talking about, and I suddenly had this image of of pulling into a harbor on the boat and going, "Oh shit, we don't have enough immigration credits for our whole family. Go get me an anchor."
1: <laughs> but the the concept, I might be a terrible person. You are, but the, that's not what this the show's about. The we actually go the other route, and we glorify how horrible of a person you are here on Grumpy Old Ben's for the entertainment value. But the anchor baby concept was something that I thought I understood until recently. And I thought that was actually a law that if a child is born on American soil, they're automatically an American citizen.
0: And that is well, okay. Explain this to me because as far as I'm aware, the the constitution actually guarantees birthright citizenship.
1: It does not. It absolutely positively does not. And if you look at the wording, and I think this was talked about on an episode of the no agenda show, not, That long ago. It's actually worded in such a way that it's very clear that you're not automatically a citizen, just like at the time the Indians, the Native Americans, weren't automatically a citizen, even if they were born within the United States. And there was some, it's obviously these are the kind of legalese, we're talking the old English language and all that. And there were questions about it, but there were papers that of the discussion. Talking about this by the guys that wrote it. And one of the comments was I don't remember if it was from Jefferson or Hamilton. One of them, the comments was, Well, this obviously doesn't mean that if the people are here, you know, the envoy from Spain or whatever is here, then they have a child here, that their child's an American citizen. Of course, that doesn't mean that because there was no provenance for them to be. The wording has been bastardized. It does not mean that.
0: If you look at up, you're, you're talking about uh, the, the time of Jefferson. And uh, so you're talking like 1780s when the, con- the original constitution was drafted. And I, 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 I'm not really sure what they were thinking back then. Uh, but the thing that I was more referring to was uh, the citizenship clause of the 14th Amendment, which uh, uh, thanks to the magic of the Internet uh, reads. All persons born or naturalized in the United States and subject to the jurisdiction thereof are citizens of the United States and of the state wherein they reside.
1: Right. So, okay, that—that's what I was talking about. And I, I, it's how, you know I was going back a little far.
0: That was 1860s, long after Jefferson was dead.
1: Okay, we're going. Okay, wrong guys. The right. You're at the right place, though. You're at the right amendment, and the part of that which is very questionable is and subject to their jurisdiction so every person born into the limits of the united states and subject to their jurisdiction which means your parents are american your citizens
0: you're here legally oh oh i see what kind of trickery it's not
1: trickery this was just the way it was written because otherwise why even have and subject to their jurisdiction.
0: I, I'm not sure I wasn't there. Uh, what I'm wondering, though, is can I turn it around if, if I give up some of my citizenship? Can I turn that around and become not subject to the jurisdiction of these fucking retarded laws and ordinances that the socialists are creating where I live? I guess I could if I were lucky enough by birth to have been born into a Native American uh, society. I'm not, unfortunately, my genes are, are, I I wasn't lucky to be born as a, on, on a reservation to a native American. But if I had, they, they aren't subject to the, anyways, I digress. I'm just, I'm bitter about all the freaking socialist, Californian immigration coming into my state and ruining this place by voting as a block.
1: Well, I'm also looking at your interesting thing because we're the hate, we are the hate, hate, hate filled United States. Uh, Australia rescinded their birthright citizenship uh, clauses in 2007, New Zealand in 2006, Ireland in 2005, France in 1993 and the United Kingdom in 1983, leaving the United States and Canada as the only remaining industrialized nations to grant automatic citizenship to every person born within the borders of their country, irrespective of their parents, nationality or immigration status. So suck on that. America is such a horrible place you know what, we should just be reading this correctly and get rid of the anchor baby things, but that's really not the whole end-all concept of immigration that we're talking about here, but it is a big one because it, what is the ultimate we're talking about? Hey, you just want to get here to get free medical care or get in an operation or something like that. The concept that if you could just get here and plop your baby when it's born on American soil, whoo, it's a citizen, that doesn't make sense.
0: You don't even have to get all the way here. You just Just have to squat across the border,
1: I guess. Maybe you could shoot it across. I don't know. That's a completely different (laughs) thing. But yes, the 14th Amendment, take a closer look at that and look at the legality of that. At some point, this is something that got so bastardized. We talked about the Overton window. We talk about being nudged in one direction. And there was a lot of nudge talk on MoFax with Adam Curry episode two. So check that out as well, that we get nudged and nudged and nudged and people start Thinking some things are commonplace. I don't know how this happened when you look at the 14th Amendment, where that one little bit of text totally changes the meaning of what the law was. And that has somehow been forgotten. And that is somehow we've been doing things in a completely different way for so long that it's hard to go back to that original legislation and go, oh, oh I guess we were, we were idiots. We missed that part. We didn't understand what. That little bit said about the jurisdiction. Oh, because you know, if you're born here again, if you're here on vacation, if you say, let's just say somebody just came into the United States for a vacation. They're from Italy. There's some great Italian folk. They want to be Italian folk and their kid gets born in the United States. Came early. Do you think they want their kid to be an American citizen? (laughs) I mean, no. So it's, uh, you know, it's, it's a weird and the fact that you look at all of these other countries,
0: a lot of countries recognize dual citizenship, so it's quite possible that they'd be like, "Well, I mean, maybe the kid has U.S citizenship, but we're never going to use that.
1: But if this is what we're reading here is, is correct again, think about this. Think of these hateful countries. Australia, New Zealand, Ireland, France, the United Kingdom have all gotten rid of their laws that says, "If you drop your kid here, it's a citizen of our country." Why? Why are they all stopping this? Uh racism? Right that must be all so everybody's racist. this is the new world order, and you're not wrong because that would be what a lot of people would say, and uh it's absolutely it's absolutely not and so the, yeah, the, the concept of illegal and legal, the fact is that's also not a racist thing because there are Mexicans that will go against the people that are doing it illegally because they came here legally, as we just said. we followed the laws the, to me, the biggest problem with The immigration going on in the United States is that we are a country of laws, but we are now at the point where we want to ignore some of the major bedrock laws of the country from freedom of speech. When we look at all this bullshit going on with bullying and this hate speech and all this other crap, the Second Amendment, which was the right to bear arms, and now it's like, oh my God, guns are so bad. We got to get rid of that. We're a nation of laws that. They're all breaking down. And the immigration issue is a big part of that buffet that's going on, which is to call anybody racist who's against illegal immigration, even though you may be for, as I am, legal immigration and a stat nobody talks about. And this is still the thing that blows my mind more than anything else, is that if you look at the last few presidential administrations as far as rubber stamping and okaying legal immigrants, the number of legal immigrants to come into this country, Trump is by and far ahead of anybody else at the percentage and number of legal immigrants he's allowing in. So if he was such a racist motherfucker, why would that be the case?
0: Well, obviously it's because it wasn't Trump. It was just the bureaucracy underneath him. Trump only gets uh, personal credit when it's something bad that, that the, the bureaucracy does while he's president. Ah, the wrong narrative. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Get get your narrative straight, O'Neill. What the hell? Yeah, we need to push the wrong narrative. I'm sorry.
1: So Trump, orange man, bad. He isn't allowing more legal immigrants in, and that means he must be a racist.
0: The fact is the president is not nearly as powerful as as the media would, of course, have you believe. Trump is not directly responsible for any of the bullshit that's gone on with ICE any more than Obama was responsible when that same shit was happening, when he was president, Trump is not directly responsible for letting people in the, the bureaucracy. I mean, he can talk to people in the cabinet and, and nudge them. But for the most part, the deep state doesn't work that way. A new president comes in and says, I'm going to drain the swamp. And then the deep state kind of looks over like, yeah, right. Okay. And then goes back to their work of subsuming the rights of ordinary citizens.
1: Well, it's just amazing to me, though, how short the attention span is and how short the memory is of people in this country and the world that if you go back, there are plenty of videos that can be found from Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton. And these aren't deep fakes. Chuck Schumer going back to when Democrats were in power. Talking about how there was a problem with illegal immigration and we got to stop it. We got to limit it. We got to do something. We can't let them. Obama, I saw a speech which was like, you know, we're, we're doing damage to our own people by letting these people come in and take jobs and all this and other thing. So it's interesting to me that Trump saying the exact same words. He's a racist, but Obama was like a fucking saint when he was echoing in this particular case in the immigration issue the same damn thing when he was president and these things aren't hard to find
0: it's almost as if politicians spout political rhetoric not because they believe it but because they want to score political points and propagandize the public into voting for them and it's amazing to me
1: it really is amazing that this is except for the fact there's no other explanation you can come up with except the media is complicit in the lie because otherwise, oh, of course, they are. They would be pointing to the Democrats, going, "Well, you said the same thing like four years ago. Why, why has that changed now that there's a different president?" And this is one of the reasons why the country is falling apart, and that everybody does nothing but argue and call each other racist because they have no clue of the history of the country, and they have no clue of what happened more than five minutes ago. And maybe this is the attention deficit generation because that's really what it seems to be.
0: It's like my high school professor said. Those that fail history are doomed to repeat it. I would agree. I would, I would definitely
1: agree. So, I mean, again, if there's people that want to talk to you about this stuff like illegal immigration and tell you Trump's a bad guy, have a couple of those videos with Trump and Hillary. Or, I'm sorry, Trump and Hillary, Obama and Hillary talking about how illegal immigration is hurting the country and have a couple of videos of some people that came into the country legally from whatever country it may have been speaking out against illegal immigration. And saying people should follow the rules. Because if you don't follow the rule, and this is what you get a, really a problem again, nation of laws. If you decide that we're going to start not enforcing just certain laws, that is the epitome of the slippery slope. If we're not going to enforce this, okay, you don't want to enforce immigration. I don't want to enforce whatever.
0: That is, in fact, how the collapse of the empire begins is when people, I, I mean, the, the political situation has got to the point where it is so divided that nobody is willing to work with each other anymore on anything. And so it's what your side can push or what the other side can push. And that's the only thing that can happen. And that means that there is no political will for the big things like changing radical changes to immigration policy or, you know, I changes to the constitution. If the majority Truly believed that we needed to ban guns in this country to the point where they could build enough political capital to repeal the Second Amendment. I would support it. I'd hate it. I'd complain a lot. I'd probably even do podcasts about it where I whined and bitched. But that's the right way to do it. The wrong way to do it is to simply ignore the laws that are inconvenient and pretend like they're not there and have some r- retard talking head pundit on TV saying how we should not have the electoral college because it was inconvenient and didn't let Hillary win
1: well it, it did it broke her heart so
0: but you can't you you cannot have a functioning society where you have people in charge ignoring any law that is inconvenient and i i'd love to say you know oh well trump started it but he didn't i'd love to say obama started it, he didn't bush didn't start i mean it started before i was born but it's gotten progressively worse and worse and worse with presidents and and people in charge you know the uh, back when in the days of what was it, Herbert Hoover, where the FBI started illegally collecting data on all civilians in the US. And then eventually the CIA and the NSA got on it. And that's all illegal, but who cares? It was inconvenient. We really wanted to collect that information. So we did. And, you know, Obama decided to drone US citizens because, hey, it's illegal, but what the hell? It was inconvenient. So we did it anyway. And now you know trump wants to do it okay well this is how your empire crumbles
1: well and you see how far these sides are coming and i'm going to push this one again down on the left because they wanted these dreamers to be allowed in and the trump administration fought them and fought him and fought them until trump finally said you know what all the dreamers currently in the united states we will put them on a path to citizenship it would take a few years or whatever it was we will do this right now if we fund the wall
0: does that path go through guatemala maybe but if we fund the wall we'll we'll put
1: these dreamers they'll be in they'll be on a way to get to citizenship we'll give you what you want we just have to have the wall so we can keep this from continuing to be a problem and the democrats are like nope so it's like really if you if, you, if you're an immigrant and you don't see the pawn that you're being used as you better get your head out of your ass because that was a damn good deal. And the concept of walls don't work. And I've heard people like, "Well, oh, no, we don't like walls. That's inhumane. But, you know, we're for like drones and people at the border with guns.
0: But, you know, we shouldn't have walls. Well, they, they cost more. That means more taxes. That means more of the economy going under the control of the deep state of course they want that
1: well that is a lot of the bottom line and this may be going down a slight rabbit hole but that has always been one of the goals for the socialist people the radical socialists that have been around in the united states and elsewhere since the 40s and 50s if you go back and i always tell people go read the bill air stuff go read the weather underground manifesto see what they were saying back In the 50s and 60s. And a big part of what they wanted was to overload and crash the system. Because if the system doesn't crash, hey, your citizens are happy. Things are working the way they should. Everybody is happy. Your roads are still drivable. You have healthcare. Everybody's happy. Once the system begins to crumble and crash, that is the only way. They know they could replace what the government style of the United States is today and still is. The only way they could replace that with something like socialism is to show, well, you see, the original way just totally fucking died. Everything's crumbling. No, everybody's, there's homelessness. People are shitting in the streets. Welcome to San Francisco. They want to overload the system because if the system crumbles, that gives them the opening to introduce socialism into the United States, something that would otherwise not be able to be done. And I know that's going down a rabbit hole, and I know that seems very conspiracy theory type thing, but if there are people that want socialism in the United States, that is the path to do it because that is, to overthrow this type of government is the only way reasonably To get rid of the Bill of Rights, because as you said, if you want to change, if you really want to get rid of the Second Amendment, it takes, what, 75% of the states to vote on that? 37 states, 38 states. And that's hard to do. Nearly impossible to do.
0: Yeah. So if you can't do that. Which is by design. It's possible, but it's really hard. And it's nearly impossible if you are in a society where people on the left and on the right are incapable of working together and that was also by design the idea was well we knew that there'd be two parties because i mean two-party systems were old news even when the constitution was drafted they knew that any you know they they needed to make certain that any changes could not be done by one group that happened to be in power or another they need needed to make sure there'd be compromise so when people say oh it's impossible to change the constitution we should just throw it out well it's, the reason it's impossible to change the Constitution is that you are not willing to acknowledge the possibility of compromise anymore,
1: or you have people that just decide we want totally out of this system, and that I believe, is what these people are pushing for, and that is a very dangerous thing. They've seen that they the legal way to do it, just like with immigration, the legal way to change the Constitution is nearly impossible. So the illegal way is the way they want to do it, just like coming over the border. And not doing it legally, getting into the country, it's a hell of a lot easier to break the law than it is to follow it. And that's what these people want to do.
0: That is, I think, the lesson we should leave people with is it is easier to break the law than to follow it. That
1: is true. And sadly enough. uh, (laughs) Uh,
0: So I've already listed, uh, uh, but we could continue talking for another Four or five hours, of course. We, we've we always been able to do that. Uh, but I think we should start tabling some topics. I've already listed things that we're clearly going to have to do more shows about. Uh, socialism, populism, rule of law. Build the wall. Well, we can talk about the wall. That That's definitely part of immigration. Stupidest campaign promise ever. But man, it hit people right in the, the feels.
1: We're going to get Mexico to pay for the wall?
0: Well, taken literally, the border wall is a stupid idea that is unworkable and is going to cost way too much and the very idea of let's make mexico pay for it is uh, how you don't have that authority
1: Bemrose,
0: mexico has a wall on their southern border it was a campaign promise and campaign promises are not meant to be something that you do and in fact i was surprised when when they actually started pushing for and and when he actually when Trump decided to go to Congress and try to die on that hill, I'm like, guy, it was a campaign promise. Nobody ever fulfills those.
1: Hey, but the Supreme Court said he can use the defense budget for building the wall.
0: So he won there. Yeah. Yeah. Because I totally want my fucking tax dollars going to that. No, you know
1: what? I'd rather have him go to a wall than do a six thousand dollar toilet seat. But a lot of people don't understand. And I I understand the league, the logistics.
0: But that's not what happens. What happens is they're going to they're going to waste your tax dollars to build a wall and buy a six thousand dollar toilet seat.
1: Well, there probably is a comfortable toilet seat, but there's no either or the people that are, you know, that are saying the United States is such a horrible country don't understand that Mexico has walls. And they have some of the most harsh immigration laws in the world. But for some reason, they're kind of ignoring that as long as the people just walk through and go to the United States. If you think you could walk into Mexico and stay there.
0: (laughs) No. Well, I mean, you could if if you found a place where there's not as much enforcement, then you'll just die of thirst and scorpions.
1: Well, or if you want to go to jail, but they enforce their border. Jail is fun. So why? Yeah. What are pros and cons? Just give me a pro and con. What's the pro for not enforcing a border for a country? What's the con for enforcing the border?
0: Well, the the pro is that you get people to go come into your area and vote for the way that you want and keep your side of the polit- political spectrum in power.
1: I don't think that has anything to do with it at all, but uh, I guess in certain cases, maybe it does, but you know, overall it's like, it comes down to, I, I like to take these things and look at them and, and try to break them down to the simplistic, which is how many people do you know that have a fence around their property? Probably a few,
0: right? No, a few people that got fences. Uh, there's there, there's I mean, yes, that exists. Are they horrible, evil people?
1: I mean, do you know, people let's let's even get that's maybe even too big. Well, okay, let's go so, smaller. So
0: the people I know are on the left coast, so I'm not sure you should be asking me that question. <laughs> well, let's go even uh, smaller no. then.
1: let's go smaller. How many people do you know leave their front door and all their windows open when they leave the house? or even when they're home, and how many have their doors closed and locked and windows shut and all that? I mean, do you, do you know people that dare lock their doors and, and lock their windows? Yes, I've, I've met one or two. Why? I mean, open borders, baby. Everybody can go anywhere. Why are you trying to keep people out of your house? Why are you a hate-filled
0: racist? Uh, because my house has a strong social program where we give away cat food for free, and that means <laughs> that in order for uh, the economy to be workable, I need to keep my borders closed.
1: Well, but that's not entirely true. You did have somebody dare, try to invade your dojo, didn't you? A
0: raccoon, maybe. Uh, well, I punched a raccoon once because what was the raccoon that, doing? That was, border, that was border enforcement.
1: Right there, you go. So you're a you're a you are a hate-filled, racist, anti-raccoon, right-wing nut job. Obviously,
0: I I I I have no argument against that. <laughs> yeah, I cannot fault. I can't fault that logic. Mostly because there isn't any, but.
1: And, you know, that's why I like to look at things in a smaller venue. I mean, people understand they've got their own stuff and you you can, the house, apartment, whatever it is, usually they don't just leave the doors open and allow anybody in to do whatever they want because maybe they'll take their stuff. It's the same thing. If you're, you're violated, if you go out and you throw your jacket, you know, somewhere on the back of your chair, when you're at the bar and you go take a leak and you come back and your jacket's gone. I mean, this is, there's a reason why people want to protect their stuff protect their way of life and we live in a country of laws allegedly and everybody should follow them and if you think you can come into the i mean really if the first act of you coming into a country is you breaking the law what is that really is that that is the ultimate of i've already done that the second third fourth time that'll be easier we can do anything why follow any laws I'm. I'm not going to. Let's just. Let's just have anarchy and wait. There we go again. The socialists win.
0: Uh. Well. Okay. Anarchy. Not actually the same as socialism. Kind of quite the opposite, to be honest. Uh. You. I'm. I'm. I'm not actually going to propose this, but uh, let's just say uh, there there are ways in which anarchy could work and could create a pretty good society.
1: Okay. So now you're definitely the crackpot, and that'll be a topic for yet another okay. grumpy old
0: ben. I, we, we can we can do that on another topic i don't think it belongs in an immigration topic meanwhile i think that uh that we should probably thank our executive producers for this show which would be do we have any no oh well thank you <laughs> thanks a lot guys uh, oh
1: hey, if you want to donate to the grumpy old ben's podcast you are certainly welcome to do so at grumpy old There's a little donation button. We do work on the value for value model that we've learned over the years from Adam Curry and John C. Dvorak of the no agenda podcast. If you got something out of this episode or any of the episodes that we've done, this is episode 20. Feel free to send a little donation our way. But hey, even more than that, seriously subscribe, especially on these apps that track how many people are subscribing. That certainly helps if somebody's searching for a new podcast and they come across a show that's got like three subscribers, they're probably going to pass it up. But, you know, if they have 30, 40, 50, a few hundred, that becomes a little bit more impressive. And they go, well, maybe I'll check this out. So subscribe the places that you can do reviews. We would love if you can do reviews. And of course, tell them how great the Grumpy Old Ben's podcast is and beyond subscribing and reviewing. If you have a friend who you think might like the content, be sure to tune them on. Turn them on and tune them in to grumpyoldbens.com. And if you really like what you're hearing or hate what you're hearing, feel free to reach out to either Ryan or myself at and, Darren at GrumpyOldBens.com or Ryan at GrumpyoldBenz.com.
0: And and I just wanted to call out that even even if we didn't have uh if we didn't have any donations this week, uh, I, we did get some kind words. And I wanna thank you for uh the the people uh, the the people who reached out on Twitter and didn't get me, and then uh, reached out on No Agenda Social because we well, signed up for No out. Agenda
1: Social just to interact with Ryan Bemrose.
0: Yes, so uh, it it is. I mean, donations are nice, but even the kind words keep me going. I I you can ask Dame Bemrose. I I beamed about that for hours. It took forever to get the smile off my face. I'm like, somebody actually listened to me. Not only
1: listened, it, but say the thing they enjoy most about grumpy old Bens. Is the Bemrose rants. And that's that's kind of a cool thing.
0: Yeah. Because because you can get you can get information and discussion and reasoned argument on any podcast, but where do you have to go to get true, original, unfiltered, unhinged Sir Bemrose ranting? You have to come here. Right
1: now, this is the only place. We have the exclusive on Sir Bemrose rants. And you don't need
0: an auto-tune. I don't. In, in fact i'd, I'd appreciate it if you'd never do that again <laughs> it
1: wasn't even real auto-tune i would have done the whole t-pain thing to start the last show but i would have had to download another app and i didn't want to do that so
0: i was lazy well, thank you thank you for being lazy in that case you're welcome so until so next time
1: i am darren o'neill coming to you live from a bunker deep in the heart of middle america just outside of Chirac, where we're waiting for the cold chill Of a socialist winter.
0: And from America's Left Coast, where the streets may be full of human feces, but at least there are no plastic bags. I'm Ryan Bemrose. Then you could
1: have put the feces in the plastic bag, it would have worked out perfectly.
0: Nope, not anymore.